You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Hello, welcome to the show. My name's Stu Goldsmith. Today I am speaking to the wonderful Eddie Peppertone, who returns live to the show uh, in this episode recorded at South by Southwest, which we, I mean, you'll hear us struggle to remember exactly when it was, but I think Eddie was something like episode 20. Well, he was certainly in the first 20 episodes. I think he was in the first live run of episodes initially um, when we were recording them at the Gilded Balloon at the Edinburgh Festival many, many years ago. So it was wonderful to welcome him back onto the show. And thank you very much to everyone at South by Southwest who looked after us at the Creek and the Cave, which is a lovely little venue in Austin, Texas. Um, Eddie is, I mean, listen, I absolutely, I think I'm pretty sure I'd begin this uh, interview by just fawning over him, particularly with reference to For the Masses, which is his new comedy special released by 800 Pound Gorilla and currently available for free on YouTube. And it is, I suppose it is, um, it's significant of the way things work now in comedy in that uh, a special which is... I mean, uh, a comedian who I won't name because it was a private message uh, said that they'd watched it five times and it's a masterpiece. And I cannot disagree with that. I've listened to it about two and a half times. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough. And I think it's a sign of the times that stuff like that is now released for free online rather than, um, you know, if it doesn't make it to one of the big platforms, then it's not like people buy DVDs anymore. So why should it be a surprise, really, that something so good be available free? But it's still, you watch it and you go, oh my God, why aren't I paying for this. So please do check out For the Masses, as well as Eddie Peppertone's uh, new excellent uh, podcast, Apocalypse Soon, uh, which I listened to a very funny episode with guest Andy Kindler, friend of the pod. Um, no more to say really about this one. It's uh, it's quintessential Peppertone. Um, we're going to talk about the special in detail, how he structured and taped it, why all of his sets are cries for help, um, and his vulnerabilities and internal responses to things. And also we touch briefly on how to destroy him if you were to be a heckler at one of his gigs. But I ask you to use that information responsibly. Um, go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for ad-free episodes, extra content from every show that has it, and much more by way of supporting the podcast. But without further ado, this is Eddie Peppertone. Returning. Thanks for coming on the show, Eddie. It's been eight years since your last appearance. <laughs> this is the longest gap of any guest. <laughs> Well, I don't want to overexpose myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I usually do podcast appearances every eight years. I see. Yeah. I can't believe that didn't get a laugh. I enjoyed it a lot. No, it's going to be, it's not going to be easy, I could tell. I think I've... It's, it's sort of, like, this is sort of the time of day. It's light out. This is like, being, you know, I feel like this is um, like a talk, a book. I feel like it's a book thing. Yes. Like I wrote a book sure. about um, <laughs> nuclear devastation. <laughs> Could it, be though, right? It's my fault. I primed them for the fact that it wasn't funny, and now they've all oh, gone. Really? Oh, we'll make sure not to laugh. What I meant was, it's not. It's not intended to be funny. If it turns out to be funny, that's good. But oh, what I we, see. You know, okay. Well, thank we, you for telling me that because. Well, it was I, only uh, eight years ago. I thought you'd remember. No, no. I because I'm always trying to be funny. You know, always. 
I really, I really am. Even with my shrink, like yes. you, we're we're doing inner child work now, trauma work, and I still managed to get in some great one-liners. <laughs> you know, turns out I was traumatized. You know, but there's a lot of fodder there. Yeah, yeah. As a traumatized person. I want to get into the trauma. You d- this is not going well, and I apologize. No, no, it's, this is great. We're going to get. I, in- I'm trying to be too funny. I'm going to be serious now. Go ahead. We're going to we're going to get into the trauma. We're very happy to talk about the trauma. Are what you- is your name? Kid? This is so good. I think you really suit a, a cigar. You called that a stogie earlier on. Is that a particular type of cigar? Is that does that just? Oh, I don't know. My friend just gave it to me backstage. I nice. like I like um, smoking cigars. Uh, occasionally, about once every eight years. <laughs> That'd be funny. I do things just once every eight years. Um, I want to start by talking about your special for the masses, which is, I'm, I don't use this word lightly, a masterpiece. It's Thank absolutely you. incredible. Now that should get like applause. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as he mentioned it, there should have been applause. Which tells me a lot of you, or f- at least half of you, don't really know me or that special, <laughs> which is disappointing. It's basically you're, you're just kind of hanging out. Like you're like, ah, oh, let's wander in here. <laughs> all right. But yes, thank you, Stuart. I'm going to stop. All right? No more jokes for you people. Go ahead. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Thank Do you. you feel like, it, does it feel like a kind of a crescendo? Does it feel like... Like, uh, <laughs> what are you saying? Oh, like, no, that's I don't... it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good enough. If that was your last thing, I that know, would be good enough. I know, I know. I really kind of feel that way. That's what I meant. It's like, does it feel like a significant yes. step up from yes. previous work? All, all of which I loved. I'm a big fan of yours, as you know. Yeah. But this is, it's so good. I was listening to it again this morning, and I felt like it's almost, it's almost just structurally it's almost just one tag everything is a tag you walk on without even really telling a joke you just walk on you're you the beginning stuff about like i'm on marley you're just you and then everything is a tag 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 it's like there's yeah. no there's no segues the structure really? is just invisible you're just funny it's fucking incredible eddie i think it's incredible <sighs> deal with that uh, <laughs> yeah i i got you know I don't know how that happened, you know, and it's really weird uh, doing a special because it's like you're leading up to it, right? And the way I work is I am all over the place. Like I am not a structured person at all. You know, I I just kind of improvise a lot. I have like bullet point um, ideas. I love to go up with an idea and then play around within that idea. I'm not a one-liner. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is my writing, uh, my writing process is kind of like I always tell people that I I write on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, so to put a special together for someone like me is like kind of like a collage like having all these color all these colors on an easel you know and uh being like okay i'll put that here and i had a lot of help the guy who directs it for me he's great his name is steven fine arts and he directed the bitter buddha which was a which was him approaching me and saying i want to do a documentary on you after he saw me on marin's podcast mm-hmm. what the fuck and um 
he's been like a confidant since then. I he he filmed the first my first special, which was called In Ruins, and uh, and with this one, I tape all of my sets on my iPhone, and he said, just give me all of your fucking no tapes, and I, and I just like I perform a lot. You know, yeah, in LA around the country, and uh, he took them all and he hired uh, another guy, and they went through them and just wrote. They 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 had a big, um, what is that fucking uh, big cork cork board, and they put index cards like this bit, this bit. Okay, this they bit. wrote they wrote the script for you from they, from the <laughs> stuff that you'd said. They kind of collaged. They just wrote all the bits that they thought That's were amazing. real good. And it just helped really focus me. You know, so that really helped me. And, and then uh, I ran, because I just like, as a matter of fact, the next special idea I have, me and him were talking, was we rent out a theater for three nights and I just improvise. Yeah. I, I just do what I've been doing, you know, lately. Just And he takes the best of the three nights and puts that. Yeah, you know, in a special. Because I was going to ask the actual like, did you shoot it twice, and did you do it in the same order each time? Because I guess I, the sense I get yeah. is that you're like, if you you know, if you're uh, headlining at a club, a comic might go, you know, I haven't really worked out the set. A comic that does the sort of material you do, you might go, right. I'll probably open right. with that, I'll probably close with that, and then the other right. things will be from my back catalogue or my you know my walking around gear, but I don't know what order, I don't know what will happen, and I wondered whether it felt like an imposition for you to have to repeat the same thing exactly if in fact you did that yeah no I didn't but uh, the first show I was very like I had the set list yeah and I made sure to hit it pretty much even though there was a lot of imp- improv and a lot of good lines came at because the the audience not like like they were so with me yeah you know an opposite type situation than this <laughs> right now like they were hanging on every fucking word you know what i mean and yeah. i just yeah, yeah. felt incredible love you know Whereas here, I feel like it's a first date. You know what I mean? Oh, is that what you do for a living? Really? You're on antidepressants. Okay. Do you get erections? <laughs> Let's talk about your, your relationship to your crowd in that special, with specific regards to that special. Because one of the things you do so well is you, like you said, the first special was called In Ruins. I know your podcast, your new podcast is called Apocalypse Soon. Like you're, you're, like, you're kind, of, kind of naked and howling before the void. That's, that's how I see your work. Right? Would you think that's fair? Like your your relationship yeah. to an audience, like you naked are naked and howling before the void. That could be the title of my next one. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like naked behind a grand piano, <laughs> and I'm looking demure and come hither. Yeah, and but there's a void. Anyway, we'll work it out. <laughs> but I, I just wonder about your like the the approach in that special is very specifically like there are there are a few beats there's moments throughout the special where you say things like this is brilliant and you don't deserve it you know that, that you take that angle with the audience which I well love. yeah like I'm doing now like yeah. I yeah because I don't really mean it you know when I say I don't like you you know what I mean like 
I just find that's a funny thing. Like I, I love like because I think people know I'm fucking kidding. Like I always say that what I've done lately is uh, I'll, I always take my sets. Like I said, so I'll at some point during the set I'll look and see how many minutes have gone by. Yeah, and I'll go. To the audience, I'll go, I've done 10 minutes, and it was easy. (laughs) I don't respect you people. (laughs) I expected more pushback from people at South by Southwest, like I said last night. And they, I don't know, they just know it's it's so ridiculous. But but that's it. Like, there's that section where in the show where you're talking about um, uh, your refusal to live the kind of life that you people live, and you're talking about like you and your cubicles, looking at your you know photos everywhere of one holiday you went on in Hawaii. God, it's so good. It's so good. I love I love saying I'm not like you people. I'm an artist. I stay home and feel things all day (laughs) while you're fucking, I don't know what you do. You ride your bike. You take pictures. (laughs) I mean, that's so patently absurd. But I I just love saying that. Talk to me about the the evolution of that that, uh, relationship with an audience. Like, did you come out (laughs) swinging when you first started (laughs) stand-up? Were you like... And tell me about how that grew because one of the I things think- I love about the special is it's such it's such a rich character. Do you know what I mean it's such a it's such depth to your relationship with us? Uh, yeah, I'm just no. going to love bomb you for an hour and a half. <laughs> That's okay. I just oh, think no, it's no, incredible. Don't do that. Um, but no, I think you know when I first started, like I think most comics, I was so fucking. Uh, so nervous and insecure and I mean really I would throw up backstage occasionally you know in a bathroom not backstage (laughs) you know I would have I'd go to a bathroom and I and I would throw up and I'd be like because of nerves and I'd be like why the fuck are you doing this I would say to myself and there was just no choice for me as far as uh, what I do you know, because I had to do comedy. It's so it's funny to me when younger comics to me they they approach me and they say, "Do you have any tips to be a stand-up?" And I say, "It helps if you're mentally ill. <laughs> really helps." <laughs> you know, there's no like you know, there's no playbook really except to get up and perform. And I think the people who make it have a have a real need for it. I don't think they're like yeah. planning out their lives going, all right. There are some comics who are like this, I think, but like, all right, my first five years, I am going to get, you know, on the whatever show, James Corden, which is probably a bad thing. <laughs> I don't like him for some reason. Yeah. yeah I don't like him. I don't like Fallon. I don't like... Um, <laughs> Hey, here's a bit. I don't like them all. You, I don't you like can Seth list Myers. all of the people you dislike, and we'll tell by <laughs> by applause the extent to which the audience agrees. I used to like Colbert, and I think he's a complete little fucking corporate sellout now. <laughs> really, he used to be great, and now he's like just licking the balls of CBS. And they're corporate, you know. It's hard. I, I guess once you get really successful and you have all this corporate, you know, people depending on you, you can't. I don't know. Tell them, you know, what they really are. <laughs> let's 
let's just bring, let's just bring it back to that relationship with the audience and the uh, evolution of that. Like, yeah. when, when did you so first fear? I was so fucking afraid of the audience that I couldn't look at people. Like, I can look at people now. I would look into the audience, but I would make sure I was looking over their head mm. so I didn't see their eyes because I was frightened of of people. You know, because I just, I had that need so much to be accepted and, you know, just accepted and loved by the audience that I, I, I couldn't be myself for, for, you know, the first like, I don't know, 10, no, I don't know, seven years, eight years. I just had trouble, man. Do you, do you remember what changed? Was there like a particular event or a gig or a, th- or a moment when you, you know started this to... Is, this is going to be interesting, especially with you, is that Edinburgh in 2012, that was such, for me, walking through fire. If, if nobody knows what that festival is, it is insane. Uh, you do 29 hour-long shows in 30 days and you know it was my first time in europe so that was a big deal for me like traveling into into another continent and i and i was doing my show in a bar called tron which is in the basement and you know people in scotland and the edinburgh festival people are olympic drinkers they fucking <laughs> i would walk down the street and they would just be i called them the singing and weaving people they'd be singing and weaving down the streets and uh man i i, I remember and there was no green room in this it was a stone cellar. Doug Stanhope did his only Edinburgh show there as well. And it was this stone basement of a former church that was now like a three t- three level bar. And I'd be sitting on the uh, I'd be sitting on those stone stairs, uh, waiting to go on. And you get no warm up guy, no MC. You just get. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what they sounded like to me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome Eddie Pepperton. <laughs> and I'd be like, <laughs> and um, and you know, I I was I went through that experience, and I feel like I came out fearless from twenty nine shows in a different you know place. You know, I just went through so much, so much uh, turmoil inside that when I came back, I was like, oh, I can get get through anything because the fear is always any fear we have is always a fear of death. You know, it's always annihilation. You know, you mean actual death as opposed to comedy death, like real death, real death. I think, you know, I mean, that's what I mean. Um No, real de- it really is. It's like you just feel like I just I felt like I was going to die on those steps. You know what I mean? And I remember having a comedy guy who was a mentor way early on. He says, "What's the worst that's going to happen to you on stage? Are they going to tie you down and kill you?" And I would say, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. So, and it, and it really sounds like you were. It's certainly in that experience. You really have to put yourself 
through something. Like it really costs you. And I think oh, that's yeah. I think that's part of the joy of watching your act is we can see that it kind of like it's one of those acts where it's one of the, you're one of those comics where we sort of see someone kind of ritually disemboweling themselves for us. Do you know what I mean? Like this is costing this guy something. This is Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it's cathartic to be on stage. And I, and another line I say is, uh, folks, my set does not have, my, my performance does not have jokes. My sets are a cry for help. <laughs> and I say that to the crowd and they, they kind of react like you guys just. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I always feel like I'm working something out on stage and uh, I'm always, I'm, you know, I always want to feel comfortable enough with the audience that I feel like I can like really open myself up, like yeah. literally open myself up to the audience and not have to hide behind, you know, this bit. Because I think a lot of comics do that. They hide behind, I'll do this bit about raisins to open, and then I'll do this bit about cheese. You know, I don't know why those topics... <laughs> I don't know why those topics are coming into my head, but like... like tri- you mean like trivial, relatable yeah, and, observations? Yeah, and, and what I mean by hiding behind bits is that when you have bits that are really worked out, you could kind of do them just by muscle memory. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And believe me, I have those bits in my back pocket in case the audience isn't, you know, with me or something. And I'll just say, all right, this is going to be a bit of a slog. Yeah. So let me just, you know, try to be funny instead of. Could you give you what's your go to bit? If it's a slog, what's your go to raisins bit? What's <laughs> I, I have this line now that always gets a tepid response where I go, it's getting so tough out there, folks. People are starting to live in their motorcycle. <laughs> and it always gets like... But I keep doing it because... <laughs> That's a great line. I, I think so, too. You know, so I, that, but I, I love... I just... Because I live in L.A. where there are so many homeless people, yeah. you know. You live in Bristol in England, yeah? Yeah. You don't know the pain we have here. <laughs> in, in L.A., it's just like a carnival of despair. Yeah, there's... there's, there's On there's one hand, and then the other, people are in the hills fucking androids <laughs> with the best wines and marijuana. <laughs> And then down below, it's like just like ah! <laughs> you know, people knifing each other. So this is Eddie. No extras on this one. I left the whole thing in. We didn't record for too long, and uh, I wanted to just leave it all in there for you. Um, it, it's just wonderful. We we will talk more about impending doom uh, and the how much truth there is in the backstory of his kind of archetypal persona. I think I used that word correctly in context. Um, and uh, there will be plenty more of this coming at you soon. Now go to uh, go to YouTube and find Eddie's special for the masses. If you haven't already uh, watched it or listened to it yet, please please do that. It's just like from literally, I think uh, uh, the first three words I was howling. Three words. It's just so he's just it's all just so 
kind of he just embodies the howling, the struggle. It's just wonderful. So please do check that out and follow him on Twitter as well at Eddie Peppertone. Um, I imagine he's on Instagram as well, but uh, you know, and everything. Basically, put his name into a search engine and connect it to the relevant social. Um, check out his site. Check out his podcast, Apocalypse Soon. That's very, very funny and available wherever podcasts are sniffed out. Um, that's that. Uh, well, it's not that. That's all I've got to tell. It's not all I've got to tell you. Listen. This is the thing. I'm going to Edinburgh. It's official. It's on sale. It's on. Uh, it's been released now. I'm at the Monkey Barrel at 1.25pm uh, from the 4th to the 11th of August. I cannot wait. The show is called A Shared Illusion. It has the best poster image I've ever had, <laughs> which I meant to be the um, the image for the 2020 show that never was. Uh, it suits this perfectly. It's a, it's a work in progress and it is going to be tremendously fun. Whilst I'm touting things, uh, there's a mail shot coming at you hopefully next Monday, um, which will, if you're on the mailing list, which you can join at comedianscomedian.com or stuartgoldsmith.com if you're so inclined, um, then get on the mailing list and I will keep you abreast of a small, uh, it is not a tour, but a series of work in progress shows, basically previews towards Edinburgh, but it has a sort of Tory vibe, but it's no, not a Tory vibe, Jesus, a Tour-ish vibe, but it's not, uh, it not by any means a tour. And while I'm plugging things, if you're in Bristol or if you're near Bristol or if you can be bothered to travel to near Bristol and then go to Bristol, please come along to Chops comedy on a Tuesday night, every Tuesday at Friendly Records in North Street in Bedminster. Um, we had a wonderful time last night. Finn Taylor was our headliner and just destroyed the place um, with uh, his... And I think he's doing... What's he doing? The I think he's doing the final week of Edinburgh. I will... He's doing a work in progress uh, in Edinburgh in the, in the last week. I will, in due course, once I know what's going on, uh, send you details or somehow communicate to you all of the things I'm particularly excited about and recommend. Plus, I will ask for your recommendations for people who've got Edinburgh shows who should have been on the pod by now and haven't been. We'll do all of that in good time. Um, but... Uh, yes, so going back to Chops, you can go to chopscomedy.com, which I think just sends you to a Facebook link. Facebook link. Sorry, but there it is. Um, and uh, it, it's just great. And I just did that lovely thing of going on stage. I always am backstage going, I've got nothing, I've got nothing. And it forces me to work. And so whether or not you come to Chops, if you are a comic, get a regular new material gig because it is proving... I mean, I'm not really firing on all cylinders yet. That sort of happens over the next month as I go into the not at all. But... Um, it has absolutely kept me alive creatively and focused when all I've been doing... Well, like, I haven't been doing that many gigs recently. So just to check in with a new material thing where you panic and absolutely soil yourself and then go on and, uh, in most cases, do very well. Or certainly well enough that you go, yeah, there's stuff in that. There's stuff in that. Maybe I haven't got nothing after all. Maybe there is something. But from that to the possibility of not only nothing, but the end times. Let's get back to Eddie Pepperton. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's the bit that if we see you and right. you pull out this bit, we as listeners to this show will, will know Eddie's decided he's in trouble and he's got to pull out an emergency bit? <laughs> 
This is a small coterie of insiders who will, uh, right, who will be right, able to spot that moment. Right. No, there should be a benefit to coming to this show. <laughs> you know, this is you, quite, you guys this are giving up a perfectly beautiful day outside. <laughs> I think this. I. I. I I'm already enjoying. But before we've even got to the answer, and I hope we do get to an answer. But the idea that this show has become a sort of the weakness is now interactive. <laughs> I think that's really great. The vulner- interactive vulnerability on the Comedians Comedian podcast. Which bit? Where well, will here's we know a line that I, here's 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 one um, where. And by the way, I will also you know sprinkle my set, of course, with this stuff. But if I, you know, I'll say I'm on 200 milligrams of Zoloft <laughs> daily, and it does nothing for me. I just like the taste. (laughs) (laughs) And if that doesn't get anything, you know, I know that, okay, I don't like them. Like, what'll happen? (laughs) That is a bad thing. Like, I immediately, if if people don't get stuff that I think is funny, like, if there's an audience, and, and I'll just be like, I have to really watch it because I'll be like, Part of me will be like, fuck these fucks. Yeah. You know, fuck them, you know. Um, and then, is, there, is there a particular reaction on their part that triggers that? Like my one, I was thinking about this on an episode recently, my own kind of kryptonite is if someone ever, if, I, if like I've been heckled, I've dealt with the heckler and their response to being dealt with is to go, carry on. Like uh, that, I fuck it. I just see red. All my comic sensibilities leave me. And I just, you know what I mean? I've yeah. lost my temper. I've lost the, I lose it. Like yeah, what's yeah. the what's the thing that mo- this is more interactive weakness? How can we destroy an Eddie Pepitone <laughs> gig? What what are you uniquely vulnerable to on stage, Eddie? What's like what's the thing? Well, you know, you know, I've learned though that you can't really be f- angry at an audience because that is just surefire yeah. failure. I mean, I could do the mock anger thing, you know, like I don't respect you, mm-hmm. you know, but I cannot really be angry for long anyway you know because people fucking know that you know they know that this guy is just fucking angry you know and um they sort of feel like you're their dad i had a bad set at the comedy store in la recently where a woman came up to me and said i felt like you were my father yelling at me and I was like thank you (laughs) you always have to be graceful I was like thank you very much (laughs) that's what I was going for (laughs) yes because I was still pissed off about that set so do do you have like um, do you have kind of of like a road map out of there if you feel like when you're you're having a bad gig do you have like a mental have you got any sort of Mm. things you can tell you any kind of internal mantras yes there is here's here's a bit here's a bit and that's just kind of getting back to the previous question too when I start one of my favorite bits to do and I've been doing it for a long time is I start going um, is it incredible how they market wine like I'll be, I'll be it, like everything's a gourmet product these days, and they'll be like, "Oh, this wine has a playful finish." <laughs> and if you're ever at a dinner party and you hear a friend say that, tell them they have to work in a prison <laughs> because they're not tethered to reality. <laughs> and uh, you see, it's going well. <laughs> 
and 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 I have this whole segment of wine material that I've done for years, and it never gets old because the wine insanity keeps growing. Yeah. Okay. And like the wine industry. Uh, has somehow convinced people they're not alcoholics, they're gourmets. <laughs> they just have good taste. You know, if they wind up fucking strangers, it has nothing to do with our bold, vivacious Chardonnay. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. So I'll so, go into wine. Material. So you've so that's that's the kind of the material response. Is there yeah. is there like in terms of your internal thought processes? Like I, I suppose I've only very recently, or like the last five years, have I learnt. To, and this was pre-pandemic, so I don't even know if I've got this back yet. This is one of the areas in which I'm still rusty after like no live work for a long time. It, I got to a stage where I could, I could, like I, I kind of lost the bad habit. I kind of rotated out of of the bad habit of referring to a bit that hadn't gone as well as I wanted it to, and then that mentally kind of. I'd internally go, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that and stuff. And I got it. You know what I mean? Like I, I was yeah. able to kind of have a map, have a path out of there. It, not in the things I was saying to the audience, but in terms of just kind of thinking, just don't mention it. Just behave as if it's going well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like have you, have you yeah. got any Well, kind of, I think that – Like strategies. I think the way to get out of stuff is uh, – I think is to be truthful instead of like ignoring – the fact that people aren't laughing, you go, holy shit. Like, you go to the audience, like I kind of did up top here. I was like, holy shit, is this going to be, like, a bad first date? Yeah. Like, to really, like, let the audience know that you know mm. you're not doing that well. And, <laughs> like, that, people usually change? find that funny. Yeah. People are like, ah, oh, <laughs> he knows, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember someone called me bald, like, hey, baldy, like, out of the blue. <laughs> Is that a shitty club in L.A. called the Laugh Factory? It's like a shitty fucking club of idiots. You know, the audience, like Comedy Store, if you know L.A. a little bit, the comedy scene. Comedy Store is great. The improv is good. And then the Laugh Factory is just horrific. For me, like guys like me, intelligent guys. Uh, as someone- There's a lot of comics who do okay there, and I don't respect them. <laughs> you know, because I go there trying to talk about our dissolution. I like talking about our dissolution, even on a Saturday evening, and there's, you know, they're out for dates. You know, people are out for dates on a Saturday night, and I'll go, hey, guy, they're young, and I'll go, hey, I'm sorry you don't have a future. <laughs> and there'll be enough people in the comedy store who get that yeah. instead of the idiots who are like, what the fuck? And they don't know what I'm talking about, you know. And I'll start making fun of people who are still having children these days. <laughs> Fucking nuts. It's nuts to have kids. Let's, let's talk about the apocalypse, because I know it's a, Or dissolution. I think dissolution is a really... Yeah. That's a really nuanced way of looking at it, because like you've been talking about the end of the world for the 20 years or so I've been following your career. Yes. And I was ahead. You were ahead. I was ahead of the curve. And, and now I know that, I mean, a show I'm writing, I'm grappling with, I had children, and I'm thinking, well, I think I oh, got I'm in. Oh, I'm sorry. A, no, you know, that's, <laughs> I think I might, the thought I can't get out of my head is I, I think I got in under the wire. Like, they'll probably Maybe, be yeah. okay, but I don't yeah. think they should have kids, which is yeah. a horrible no, thing. No, they'll be the slim. They'll be fleeing something. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what it's going to be. Eco collapse. Fascism is going. Yeah, fuck yeah. Right? Yeah. In Europe. Um, and the States. What? And the States. Fascism is going back in Europe. I mean, and yeah. the States, right? And the States. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're. This, this is just a house of cards here. <laughs> Any fucking moment. This could be the last show. <laughs> That's not done under duress. You never know. It's <laughs> fucking nuts out here in the United States. It's crazy. How do you... Like, let's just explore for a little bit your relationship to the apocalypse and to talking about it and how to... Like, how Good to- evening, apocalypse. <laughs> how are you this evening? We have a pretty good relationship. You want to fuck? <laughs> Eddie Pepitone, fucking the apocalypse. <laughs> Flirting with disaster. Yeah. Um, uh, but in terms of like your, it's kind of an obsession of yours, right? Because that, yeah. or not specifically, it's almost like the apocalypse is the means by which you talk about dissolution, which is your obsession, right? Like sort yeah. of colla- like your collapse, your yeah, internal I, collapse, your problems, your struggles. I call it the struggle. collapse or, you know, I, I, like, I like to talk to audiences like, well, the empire is crumbling. How is everybody doing in the crumbling empire, you know? Yeah. Um, the gig economy isn't that great. You know, you have PhDs riding people around on pedicabs out here. <laughs> you know, bio-nuclear, bio far- you know molecular biologists sorry <laughs> um, but yeah I like to talk about uh, the fact that and by the way you know I really don't want it to happen because once the pandemic hit people were coming up to me going you happy now <laughs> and I'm like no no I am not happy you know um, I always think I always think that I have had a sense of doom just because of the way I was brought up by my crazy Sicilian father who, you know, Italians are very operatic and he always just like, it would be, you know, talk about drama, you know, melodrama, you know, it'd be like, it'd be, I'd, I'd be just hanging out as a kid and all of a sudden I would hear him bellow, who turned the thermostat up? And I'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know? And so I've always had this, like, sense of doom yeah. that I think I always am working out on stage. And now, this is weird, but now my inner sense of doom is reflected externally <laughs> in what I guess the whole world has been raised by my father, <laughs> is what I'm thinking. <laughs> You're, uh, I, I'm, interested, I'm interested as well about the... Because when you mention your father, you talk about your father on the, on the, sh- on the special, in the special, and, uh, and I don't know how much of it is true. Right. I feel like the sense of it is true, but yeah. maybe, like, you know, when you're talking about him working on the docks, it's a great bit. I don't know if he actually worked on the docks. Whether, Tell them like, about that bit. Was it, it's such a good bit, guys. <laughs> Eddie's father used to work on the docks. We don't even know where the docks are. That's the... That's what I say. <laughs> I say, my, fa- <laughs> my father used to work on the docks. This generation of people don't even know where the docks are. That's where the iPhones get delivered from. <laughs> he used to just work on the docks and 
he would unload these ships and they didn't even know what the products were. They would just unload them and they would beat each other with bags of oranges. <laughs> Which is what they did back then. And he slept on the docks. He, just, he would just have live rats for warmth. And yes, that is not true. My dad was a high school teacher. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. See, you only know that. Nobody else but the people who took the time to come here. Yes. He was a high school teacher. But, but he had the mentality of like a dock worker. Yeah. He really did. He would, would, and I, I feel bad if there is some erudite, um, you know, sensitive dock workers out there, but. He he really uh, he really was just very primal, uh, but and then he would put on Mozart. He was just schizophrenic, <laughs> you know. And he won't die. He won't die. He's, eight- <laughs> He's eighty nine, and it's a pain in my ass because I get the house and you know the little estate, and it would be great for me. I could relax. <laughs> But he's like, I feel good. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so, but but it makes it like the so there is. It's not factually true. He didn't work out the docks like this. But the starting point is true, or the kind of the. It's the, emotional. I, I feel yeah. like I work from an emotional place. Yeah, you know, and not really a intellectual place I think but it also but it also makes sense for like Eddie Pepitone the comedian Eddie Pepitone the persona his father worked at the docks do you know what I mean like there's like there's a really oh yeah you know what I mean there's this sort of thin line between you and the kind of heightened version of you oh. the kind of character like it yeah. isn't a character but it kind of is and yeah. for the character's father to have worked at the docks makes a lot more sense right 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 and uh, I really realized that the character that I have developed on stage, I'm kind of just doing my father in a way. You know what I mean? Like just this like melodramatic <laughs> person, you know, where I'll turn on the audience and then I'll – like one of the things I've learned recently is to be very up here like, you don't get me, and then be like, sorry, I yelled. Yeah. Like I love – because that's – yeah. You know the mixed signals, the mixed signal bit where I go. I had mixed signals growing up, and that's why I'm giving you mixed signals. I'm saying laugh, and then I'm saying no. You know because my dad used to be like, "Just tell me the truth." When I was a kid, just tell me the truth. Did you or did you not go to school? I'm not going to hit you, and I would. I would be like, I felt like I was in Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> I, I would be like, do I tell him the truth? And do I build honest relationships? I mean, he's a primary caregiver. <laughs> so do I, do I fucking tell him the truth and have a foundation for honest relationships in my life? Or do I lie and become one of these deceitful fucks who goes through their life just lying, but he gets what they want. So I told him the truth, and he hit me, and that's why I like rough sex. <laughs> I confuse violence with love. <laughs> so, I, so I have a couple of observations on that. It's really interesting, because one is, is that 
like the it's not scripted right when you were talking about the doc stuff the doc stuff on the album is to do with him licking salt and drinking his own urine and stuff there's no bag of oranges in that bit but like you're so each time you're kind of playing the game of that bit you know what the you know what the emotion is and there's a variety of ways you can express that and you can improvise it like differently each time would you say right yeah yeah there's like beats that you hit but it's not the same Sort yes, of thing. yes. Instead of licking salt one show, it could be like he would just take mouse, the heads of mice, <laughs> and juice them and whatever. <laughs> Juicing is incongruence there. So, well, this well, this is my other uh, question is when you're improvising, does it then make it easier now that you have such a kind of a, a, a richly formed character of like the, the stage persona, does it oh. – is it easier to – to improvise from within that kind of like yeah. you, you know yes. you've almost like you know the yes. rules you know the parameters of what yes. Eddie tone yes and a matter of fact like I was really tired when I arrived here on Friday not to brag that I got here Friday <laughs> um, and I had a show and I was super tired and I came on and instead of being in my energetic character I was like hey everybody oh god I'm tired and I lost them right away. Yeah. And then I came back. Then I lost them. <laughs> and then I came back big. And then I lost them big. <laughs> and then thankfully my time was up. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this is the point in the set where you're supposed to get a big closer. But we both know that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't. So that's... So that so that that is so to my earlier point this is that's about like you know what the rules are so that's an example of you kind of like you didn't inhabit the character in quite the way you normally would right. and so there was a flaw in it and it didn't go off in the way that it normally would yeah. is that what you mean yeah 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 because when i'm really on and i'm really feeling like the audience is with me um, I'm just going, I'm like, I, I, I kind of go into that character and I'm just, you know, I'm hitting on all cylinders, you know, right from the get-go when I really feel good at the top. A lot of times I'll have to work into it. And what is that? I'm really fascinated by that. What is that? What's the head game that? What is you working into it? It's obviously material mm. choice. Yeah. You know, you could do something, you, your particular material well, you, you think would get Well, you know what? I, I, here, I really find that when I'm, not, when I'm a little off, it's usually energy. Like, that's what I've come to, that my energy isn't great and I've got to summon it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's almost like a superpower. Like, uh, I, you know, like let's use Thor. Uh, <laughs> you know, he needs his – is it Thor? He's yeah. got a hammer. He needs his hammer. Yeah. And, and I'm like, ah, uh, I need my hammer, you know, and – um I need, and that's the an energy thing. Like I need yeah. my energy. I got to get into this fucking set, you know. But it is interesting because doing an hour, you know, a headlining set, it's difficult to keep like crazy energy mm. for a fucking hour. Which is why I have learned to modulate. But even in the modulation, like I go up here and I'm like, "You motherfuckers." You don't get me because you are civilians. You you work in little cubicles with pictures of your family. 
next to you. You're all one fucking coffee away from suicide. <laughs> you know, you just have pictures of you. Oh, this is my last trip to Hawaii. You know, look at it. Look at how great my trip to Hawaii was. And you're just crying at your keyboard. And you look up at you. <laughs> but I have to take it down. Like, I have to, like you know find a way to keep the energy but still but still be um and not, and give myself a little bit of a breather from yeah. like really high energy yeah if that makes any sense yeah for sure i i think um so what was i going to ask something about your uh the one of the other threads in the special is um your neediness and like you kind of bully, <laughs> bullying yourself like you you know, i'm not JT's saying he's laughing <laughs> Because I'm needy on the road with him. <laughs> I'm like, come on, we have to stop for coffee. But you really we have to. Yeah. You really kind of get into like you, you get into some really specifics about the neediness. Like there's a the few moments where you, you kind of come back to this idea that you owe people money and you feel ashamed of owing people money. Do you know what I mean? Or like that's the that's the you know, fictional or not, that's the kind of process by oh, which that's real. That's not real. <laughs> <laughs> but not it, not people at this point, but institutions. Yeah. I owe money and I hate them and I'm like, fuck you. But then they fuck me. <laughs> But the, but I'm interested in the in like the the expression of your neediness. Like, what's the relationship between you on stage as a kind of powerful comedian having great shows, just like you know yeah. producing great material, and like, are you still needy? Oh, I'm so needy because I I actually think that neediness drives uh, me wanting to do stand up. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing like the high of like getting, you know, a crowd to like laugh, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they're fucking and it's all because of you. And it's like, um, <laughs> I'm up here in my head. going, <laughs> You did it again, you son of a. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's part of me inside going, look at these fucking people. They fucking love you. <laughs> But that's, and and that's such a great feeling, and it usually—I don't know how long it lasts, but not that long, you know. Which is why I'm in therapy, um, because they hold out the carrot. You, you could just love yourself. You don't need external validation. Yeah. You know. What do you think of that? What do you think of because I think I, that's, you know often I don't know if this is a cliche if this is kind of a trope in the states but there's certainly this idea in the UK that when comedians get therapy they stop being funny. That's bullshit. I'm glad to hear you say that. That's total bullshit. Who come, what comedians are saying that? Because that was a thing like oh yeah if you fucking heal yourself you can forget about having a good living and a good career no i i think um you know all that ne- you know yeah you have to go through stuff emotionally and painful stuff to like get to be a comic i think but uh at some point, you have to fucking, you know, heal emotionally because – and that makes you a better comic is my point because then you're not wasting energy on, oh, God, I suck. You know, that self-loathing shit that destroys us all, hmm. you know. Uh, Let's talk about that. How, how self-loathing are you I still? knew you would jump on that one. <laughs> you teed me right up. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that perked you up. <laughs> no, but what about self-loathing? 
Well, what like how much is that an issue for you, or has it been oh, over your? Big, it's a big one, but it is getting better, and that's through, you know, so many fucking years of therapy, and then, and then, uh, and just working on myself. But then there are days where, you know, out of the blue, it's like, oh, you piece of shit. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like that voice, you fucking piece of shit. Imagine if I went on for like ten minutes. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. And and what's the uh, yeah. like what's the what's the habit? What's the practice to get out of that? Like after all the therapy, like what have you what what I'll you- tell you what I do that which is fucking I listen to various things audible books i listen to like i love eckhart toll Mm -hmm. um i just like listening to that shit whether or not i can practice it but i I love listening to Khan. i love like all this like like kind of eastern philosophy i love when philosophers are telling me i was never born and I'll never die. And I'm like, I'm home. <laughs> My wife is yelling at me for something. I'm like, baby, I don't even exist. <laughs> I'm just a field of consciousness. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and then she starts in and I'm like, ah, fuck. You know. Is, is there a... I listen to, I listen to rain now. I oh, yeah. listen to rain. I live in Los Angeles, which is a dust bowl. We people in Los Angeles, it's like you're in a dust bowl with good bands. <laughs> that line never gets a lot either. <laughs> what? And it shouldn't. <laughs> and it shouldn't. Fucking jumped up, audience member. Oh my god! I'm asking you to reveal yourself. Why not? Why not? Be- you know, it just is kind of not that funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. No, it's true. It's true. Now, you see, I uh, earlier in my career, I, I would have been hurt by that. No, I'm not. No, I'm saying I'm not. I'm not. Oh, thank you for sticking up for me. Thank you. Oh, you thought it was funny, see? No, but I mean, now I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. Because I can tell he's a good guy, and he just... He knows what's funny. <laughs> and he would like it known that he knows what's funny. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? To deal with that stuff, if you are happy internally and don't need the affirmation, then you can stay playful enough to that's improvise a nice, confident yeah. response. And Yeah, because if you are self-loathing and somebody reflects back your self-loathing, yeah, my and I've been through this. I want to attack that fucking person and be like, "Fuck you!" Like that. That used to be my big comeback line was just "Fuck you," <laughs> and that's not witty or, yeah, you know. And people get nervous. You know, people are like, "Oh fuck," they feel like they're at a fight at a dinner table. Oh. Mommy. When you say it was your big comeback line, like was it a successful comeback? No, line, or was it no? It was just something you would fall back on badly, like yeah. that was a mistake. To yeah, make. like like I think I said earlier, uh, I I uh, I would um, I make the audience uncomfortable and I'd be angry. And once you're angry, that is not a place to do stand up from. You have to have a playful anger, yeah, if that makes any sense, or in my case, a playful rage. <laughs> 
You know, like playful rage, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. If it doesn't, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this story, unfucking real, and it's, I just feel like this kind of shit happens to me, but I had to get up and make a like the earliest flight like i had to get up at 4:30 a.m. to make a 6 o'clock flight to get to LA to film something like a sitcom and so i was going to make a bunch of money and i had to be on this flight cuz i was filming the next day and i get up out of out of my room in a motel 6 in fort worth and I get up, and as soon as I go, and I'm out of it. I'm, like, fucking out of it, you know? Those early flights are, like, I'm just a fucking zombie. And I I walk in, I open my door, and I walk in the hall, and within a second, a woman goes, they're not going to let you out of the hotel. (laughs) And I'm, like, what? (laughs) And she's, like, there's been a murder. (laughs) And they're questioning everybody. And they're not letting anyone leave. And I immediately was like, I have a sitcom to film. (laughs) They know what the fuck they're dealing with? (laughs) And I got the fuck... So I fucking... I was like, I I can't. I gotta go, you know? I had a... So I, I... Go out the door of the hotel in the back, and sure enough, there are police lights right on me. There's crime tape, and I feel like I'm in an episode of The Twilight rolling my little roller, you know, my little uh, fucking suitcase, you know, like fucking I look like Willie Loman. (laughs) And trying to get to L.A. to film some shitty sitcom. And... um. Uh, the police are like, sir, on on the on on a bullhorn, sir, you're gonna have to go back to the hotel. You're in a crime scene, and I ignored it, and <laughs> you know, because I have to be, I'm an actor. <laughs> People don't know in Fort Worth, the sitcom industry. So I just kept rolling the fucking. And for whatever reason, they didn't stop me, and I was able to go. <laughs> and this Uber, and the story isn't over. This Uber picks me up. He couldn't get close. He goes, what's going on? And I go, there's been a murder. And I'm going to the airport, right? <laughs> and and within, like after about five minutes driving, the guy goes, you're, you're just going to the airport, huh? <laughs> He started to think I might be the killer. He goes, he starts asking me questions like, did they, did they apprehend the, uh, the suspect? And I go, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I can't believe this motherfucker thinks I'm, do, you know, that I'm, a, and he pulls, he fucking, you know, and he, he went into like a, he goes, I got to stop here at 7-Eleven. I want to look this thing up on the internet. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, you know? And I guess he finally found a website that said they had somebody, okay. you know, and I was able to get to LA. But yeah, that was it. So I, I you know, I stay in hotels and motels where people lose their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so I can bring mirth do you, would you 
would you use that story on stage? Or is no. that not really in keeping with what I you don't, do? I'm not a storyteller guy. No, right. And there are guys, and JT tells stories. There are guys who fucking tell great stories. And I just, I don't know why. I don't have any. That's a story I have. But my other stories are just like, ah, oh, you know, I vacuumed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have big stories. Kind of makes me feel shit. I don't have like, you know, oh, I went to uh, Hawaii and I just fucked everybody. You know, it's not happening. I went to Hawaii and I cried in a hotel room or whatever it was. I'm sorry. And is that is that is that because you because the 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 jumping off point? Oh, no, the jumping off point. But the way in which you jump off is always improvisation. So like that's where you're most comfortable. So that doesn't really lend itself to storytelling and truth. You're more interested in kind of like burrowing into pain in something improvised. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what I realized, too, is that I don't that sometimes stories and like stories in my life, like they're they are a great source of material. And what that just reminded me of what you just said is that there are certain aspects of my life that I don't delve into and one of them is when I waited tables in New York City for many years Uh, I don't know I waited tables in New York for like 10-15 years and I was terrible like I was a bad waiter and I would get fired my line was I I have been fired from more restaurants than I've eaten in (laughs) and I would like come to the tables with like because I would always be eating um (laughs) You know, I was going to say backstage. I would always be eating like in the kitchen or something, like sneaking. One place I worked was a French steakhouse, and they had something called profiteroles. Do you know what those are? They're delicious. They're puff pastries with ice cream and chocolate syrup. And I used to gobble down because <laughs> I would be high a lot back then. And I'd gobble down profiteroles. And I, it was white shirt, and this was kind of a nice place. And I would have, like, chocolate sauce. And my manager would go, what the fuck? What the fuck? And I'd be like, I'm sorry, I had a profiterole. <laughs> and they liked me because I was so, like, oh, my God. Eddie is funny, but he, God. And they would eventually have to fire me. And you and you don't you don't tend to talk about that stuff on stage. So like why? No, why and I feel that? like waiting tables. I could do some more stuff about just how it, it's insane. It's an insane occupation. Everybody is high. If you've ever waited tables, everybody is drunk or high. Um, everybody is not a waiter, which is hilarious. How would you mean? Everybody here is usually in the arts who are waiting tables. Like, yeah, okay, I don't know yeah. about here. Probably here too, but like in New York, everybody was a dancer or yeah, like yeah, an actor. And were you, you know? were you a stand-up at the time? I was doing stand-up. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, how long? Like, how long have you been doing stand-up now? You, you're, are you sixty? <laughs> That's you. Don't ask a lady there, right? <laughs> you said it on your special, but no, I know, I'm sixty-three now. Sixty-three. Okay. Sixty-three, and I have been doing stand-up since. I started when I was 20, but I've had a circuitous route because of that, like, um, just incredible fear at the beginning. Yeah. I went into improv groups because I couldn't do it alone. Like, B, 
being a stand-up, I mean, is such a, uh, you know, lonely thing at first. It's because, you know, like that whole thing of getting rejected when you're first starting out is so painful. Uh, and in my case, I had to, like, go into uh, sketch. I did mm. sketch groups. I did improv. You kind know. of as, as a way of putting off actually becoming a stand-up. Like, right. knowing that you wanted to be funny. Right, but right. And I was always the funniest individual... This is bragging, but I was always the funnest, funniest individual in the sketch group or the improv thing. But, you know, and I always wanted to be, I'd always be like, ah, I need to be alone. These people, fuck these people. You know what I mean? And um, so I eventually found my way back to stand up. Yeah. After, and I took a lot of acting. Uh, real serious acting stuff in New York and I knew I was going to be a comedian because I'd be doing shit like uh, Death of a Salesman and people would be cracking up at like maybe trying to be serious you know? and, you, and you genuinely like not you weren't kind of finding comedy in it deliberately you were trying to be serious right, I and wasn't they were finding trying, it yeah. funny just talk about that what is that that's what's going on for there me because that sucked because I there's a part of me that wants to be a real serious like I don't know if every comic has this but like there's a part of me that would love to just make people cry constantly you know yeah. like a real great dramatic act is that, is that the it's interesting like the real great dramatic actors was it like a secondary thought after wanting to make people cry do you know what I mean in the same way that as a, yeah. as a comic you make people laugh you kind of make people do a thing against their will and maybe there's a relationship yeah. with that and you're kind of yeah. your sense I of power that, or something I find that the great actors though are all can do comedy really fucking well like yeah. Alec Guinness Gilgood I'm doing this for you they're Brits <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> De Niro is a funny guy. I mean, Midnight Run. All he's yeah. just a funny lunatic. You know, I, I find that that really good dramatic actors are really fucking funny. Tony Shalhoub, mm. um, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I threw him in for the lady. <laughs> What was it like working she with Rachel is, Bloom? Yeah, that's crazy ex-girlfriend. She is a sweetheart. She really is a total sweetheart. Um, and really like, like you know, when you go on someone's show, they're usually, they're usually like, hey, welcome and stuff. And, you know, um, sometimes you feel like they mean it. Sometimes you don't. But Rachel really made me feel very um, at home and very giving performer and, uh, I don't know, just really a doll, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Down here. Oh, we've got it. We have a mic. Yes. Oh, cool. I don't want to get too technical, but as a comedian in your career, have you developed such beautiful eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Not as easy as it looks. Most people will say genetics. <laughs> you had nothing to do with it. I originally had brown. Uh, but through great internal work, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. So as you do... No. That was <laughs> a great question. I get, that. I get that a lot. You have great eyes. <laughs> do you get that a lot? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My eyes, forget it. I'm a hit on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. 
If you could prevent the end of the world from happening, would you? Would I? Great question. If it was completely in your hands. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but there would have to be, in my view, like capitalism. And we're in the end stages of it. We're in the very end stages. We have to, we can't do capitalism anymore. We can't. We can't. We can't have, you know, fuck it. Right now, there's like 45 billionaires who have most of the wealth on the fucking planet. That has to end. It has to be redistributed. And, and you know, the cities have to be torn down. Unfortunately, that includes Austin here. <laughs> no, there's got to be a big makeover on, on everything. But, yeah, of course, of course I would prevent it unless we were all infected with radiation and, you know, if we were all fucked up, just like, like brunch was horrible at this point. You know what I mean? Like brunch was just a wailing and gnashing of teeth, you know, with a couple of jazz musicians. <laughs> Could you just, just on that, just on the, on the apocalypse, thank you for your question, sir. Uh, on on the apocalypse, do you have, like, how much optimism do you have? Not like stage persona, Eddie, but like you. Are you just entirely pessimistic about the state of the world? Do you, do you find I, hope I, anywhere? I, I, I am at this, you know, and maybe it's because of the Russian invasion of the Ukraine mm-hmm. that happened recently. But I was like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. This is real. This is horrible, you know. And... Um, I don't know, man. I, I just I, – I'm a little pessimistic, you know. Who wouldn't be coming from a pandemic? I'm a big, like, lover of animals and nature. I've tried to be vegan for nine years, which I have my slips. But, like, um, the fucking ecosystem, I think, is shot. I mean, anybody who reads – knows you know that these this is a great way to end the show uh, <laughs> knows that the glaciers are melting and the arctic is melting and super storms are <laughs> good night <laughs> do we do we whenever things like this come up is there anyone in this room and we are at south by southwest is there anyone out there who has uh cause for optimism that they could share with us yes Get a microphone to this person. Well, I, I guess the only thing I would say is that if you look if you look in history, people have been pessimistic for a no, long time. I understand that, you know, but I, they never had this eco, uh, yeah, the eco but, yeah, collapse. Yeah, but it, it was always something. It was always something. Yeah, but and previ- it, previous it, you know, civilizations, the Spanish, Spanish flu, bubonic plague. I mean, they literally thought everything was ending. Where? But, when? A bubonic, bubonic, bubonic plague, plague, Spanish flu. Spanish oh flu. yeah. Like you know, there, there were things that literally like, took out like a fourth of the planet. That happened. That yeah. happened. Yeah. But like you know, I would have done with, well, by the way, back then. Right. I. That would have been my. You type would have been of, very popular, even more so than now. Yeah. Thank you, but, thank you for that. Thank you for that note of optimism. Oh, you're welcome, yeah. No, he's still going. Oh, sorry, but you're still going. If there's more optimism, we'll hear more. No, we'll hear I more. hear you. The the only thing the I only, think that's all the crowd wants in terms of optimism. <laughs> no, the only thing I would disagree with is even the plague, which took out a quarter of the world's population. What they didn't have was a planetary ecosystem collapsing, and that's what we have. And you know, I, I don't think it's reversible 
at this point, you know? And that's why you have the billionaires making plans to go to fucking Mars or wherever, yeah. you know? Any, any I can't further wait. cause for optimism? Anyone else? By the way, Anyone as far else? as that space travel, I can't wait till there's blue collar crime on spacecraft. <laughs> like just muggings and shit on one of Musk's rocket ships. Uh, any further questions? Any of uh, one at the back there? So I don't know if it's optimistic, but I have a quick oh. question about you know you mentioned a very specific number of forty-five billionaires. You know what about uh, what do you think we should do with those forty-five billionaires in the next? I think years? that we should execute just for an exciting idea. Yeah, I think we should execute them on pay-per-view. Like you have to. <laughs> I really mean it. You know. Um, yeah, I think pay-per-view is the way to go with those guys. Just execute them. Like, let's say, like, for instance, my idea for Bezos' death would be, it kind of, this is kind of like um, the Orient Express, if you've seen that. Like, each Amazon worker gets a knife. <laughs> and they all get one jab into Mr. B. I'm going to have to put a spoiler warning for the Orient Express now on the front of the show. <laughs> that was 50 years ago. <laughs> what? Or more. <laughs> Thank you. There's one in the back over there. Yeah, so you talked about the need for a lot of comedians to be comedians. Do you wish that you didn't have that need? Do I wish that I didn't or, have it? Like, you know, if you, well, you, go if back, you were like, free of the need. Right, 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 exactly. Um, <laughs> that's one of those, that's like, you know, uh, do I wish that, yeah, of course. I mean, if I'm like uh, talking about it like, uh, you know, someone who just wants to be healthy, do you wish you didn't have the need for external validation? Yeah, but if I didn't have that need, I never would have been a comedian, you know? I never would have been I never would have found this life, you know, this rich and varied life here at South by Southwest. And so, when I walk the streets, occasionally somebody will go, Hey <laughs> and I'll be like <laughs> So would you rather be happy or funny? I wanna be both. That's not you, an option. What? That's not, not an option. It's not available. Mm. No, this, I, I, no, to me, there's no happy without funny. I mean, all we have really, and this is to combat the end of the world, too, which is why I have a podcast called Apocalypse Soon, which, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make light of all this shit. Like, you know, we only have our sense of humor to deal with the all of this shit. We take life way too seriously. So if if you didn't have sense of humor, you couldn't be happy, right? You you have to have a deep cosmic sense of humor. And by cosmic, I mean a lot of acid. <laughs> Um, I have some Australian co-workers that say they, they don't have Australian comedians because they are too happy, and so they don't have a source for material. So do you feel like really the, the true root of comedy is in uh, existential dread and collapse? I do think it is. In, in Australia, it's too nice and stuff. I mean, but you're always threatened by death over there with all those fucking things that live on that continent. 
It's like, oh, it's a rockfish. <laughs> or whatever the fuck. Stonefish. Stone ah! <laughs> rock fish. Or the dingo stole the... The dingo took the baby. Is that, my... that an Australian accent? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible Australian accent. <laughs> <Of a> dingo. <laughs> Uh, one in the eye there, that question, for the hundreds of comedians working in Australia. I know. <laughs> I know. There's great Australian yeah. comics. Who, you know them Oh, all. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Arch I mean, Barker. I mean, well, he's from the well, States. Well, he's from the though. States. Like Jim Jeffries and oh, uh, I mean, Jim, Ronnie Chang. Is Jim was... Jeffries from Australia? Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so we can think of one. <laughs> uh, this is episode 398. I believe there are at least six there's got to be 60 75 australian comics wow on the show on the show alone and i haven't done them all yet and if i can before the apocalypse i will <laughs> thanks uh, the recording may not have picked that up uh, a smattering of applause one woo and then the wooer said good luck <laughs> So that was Eddie. Thank you so much to him for coming on the show. Thanks to South by South by uh, for South by South by. I've just invented a new festival. What did someone? God, he was funny. Someone called it the. Uh, there was, he was doing a character which was kind of um, like I guess a sort of luxury redneck, and he kept referring to it as the Five Times Five W Festival. Very very funny. I should find out who he was. Was it Haley something? Anyway. I'll get back to you on that, possibly. Thank you to everyone there for looking after us. Thank you uh, to uh, Nathan Wood for uploading the show. Um, thanks to Jake Crossland for the logging. Peter Dobbing is your podcast consultant and Blue Sky Thinking aficionado. And as ever, this podcast exists in its entirety as a means of leveraging joy and optimism into the life of Brett Goldstein. Uh, thank you to all involved. If you're um, part of Retweet Squad, then follow this at ComComPod and the pinned post will always have the latest uh, episode on it so if you've enjoyed this one hi ye to hi ye christ on a bike i wish i were dead hi who even says that i'm just morphing that's even worse than partridge hi ye christ i'm embarrassed god hi what is that that's um hi ye in the sense of go to that is um that's like esther ranson just uh, that's life hi ye Christ, I'm so glad I don't have a radio show because there would just be nowhere to hide. I'm going to leave this in as a punishment to myself. Um, but go to. I, I don't even remember where I was suggesting you go to, but wherever you go, go there. Uh, the show's on at Monkey Barrel, 4th to the 11th of August. Uh, check out Eddie's special For the Masses, uh, released by 800 Pound Gorilla. And blow me tight, they do some good gear, so look out for everything they're doing because, whoa, I, I have it on good authority. They've got some roastingly good content coming up soon. Um, and uh, and enjoy your lives. That's it. No post-amble this week. Boutros has got chicken pox, which is probably why I sound mad. Um, love to you from him. I was going to... Well, not from him. Yeah, he probably would. He's a loving guy. He'd probably send his love. Um, uh, and I was going to tell you sort of week by week about some interesting things that had happened at uh, at South By, but I will save them probably for two weeks from now because next week is the big birthday special uh, and it will be an episode like and like none other. Like other? Like other brackets and none. I mean, it's, a, it's an episode, but it's a particularly good one, and it's wonderful. It's with Rob Deering, and uh, he was our guest 10 years ago on episode one. So look forward to that next time. Thank you. That's it. Goodbye. Back to the pox. Bye.